Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I was thinking about this while we were worshiping. You know, we hear the scripture that says anything's possible with God. That the impossible is possible with God. And I was thinking about this. Every single one of us have had the most impossible thing possibly done by God. You know what that is? You've had a miracle done in your life and sometimes we overlook it. And that's Jesus. Think about it. In yourself, you couldn't allow anything to cover your sin except for the blood of Jesus, right? In yourself, we have nothing else but the blood of Jesus that could take away our sins. So God did the most impossible thing for us. He sent his son to make it possible for us to experience salvation. So today, if you may think, is the impossible still possible? It's possible. God can still move. And this has nothing to do with tonight with what I'm saying, but this is just what I feel in my heart and my spirit is, is maybe some of you in this place have been praying about something for so long and you've started to think maybe it's impossible. Maybe it's impossible. God says, no, anything is possible with me. Nothing is impossible. Why? Because he made it possible for us to experience the ability to have our sin taken away the most impossible thing for us. I was thinking about that. Lord, there's no other way. I, I wouldn't have been able to, to gain forgiveness or freedom or, or redemption or love. I wouldn't have had any of that, but God made it possible. Amen? Amen. So let's believe in our God because he can do anything. He is the God of all possibility. If you could open your Bibles to John chapter 14, this is where we'll, we'll start this evening. The title of tonight's message is The Way, the Truth, and the Life. And it's pretty self-explanatory where we're going to start in John chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 6. And the Lord really put this on my heart. Um, I'm very thankful for the ministry of, of Pastor Ryan Young. He came this past Sunday, and, and he did an amazing job of ministering to us as a body, as a whole in the body of Christ. And so I'm thankful for that. And he really just stirred my heart and stirred my passion for God even more. And, and the Lord just began to stir my heart uh, tonight and or the past two days for, for this night's message. And so um, we're going to start in John chapter 14, verse 6 and a little context of, of kind of what's going on. And at this point, Jesus has, he's eating with the disciples. It's, you know, the Lord's Supper. Everything is happening in this time. And these, these between 13 and going on to 17, 18 in these chapters of John. And so he comes to this portion where he's talking to them about believing in him. And, and he's telling them, I'm going to my father, you know, I'm going back to the father, but I go to prepare a place for you. And so he goes kind of through all of this. And he says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, this is verse three, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And then Thomas, you know, we've all been Thomas, trust me. We've all been Thomas. You know, we doubted. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. And how can we know the way? And then Jesus says in verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so that's where we're going to start tonight. That Jesus is our way, he's our truth, and he's our life. All that we do is for Jesus and for his glory. Everything we do, every single thing that make, is our, in our makeup is for him and for his glory. Why? Because God, he calls us to what? Be 
completely devoted, right? He calls us to give everything up and follow him. You know, as, as the men would come and, and they would say, Lord, what, what do I need to do to follow you? And you know, his response would always be, give up everything and follow me. Well, as Christians today, we need to understand that we have to give up everything and we have to follow Jesus. It just didn't apply then and then it doesn't apply now. Just because the culture may have been different. Well, Pastor Reese, they didn't have, they didn't have Netflix. Well, of course not they didn't have Netflix. But if God says, I need you to give up the Netflix so you can get in the prayer closet, then you got to do it. If God says, I need you to give up those things that take time away from me because you're not giving me all of yourself, then we need to do it. See, that's the reality. They had different things at that time that may pull them away, but we have things today in our culture and our world, world that try to pull us away from Jesus being our way, our truth, and our life. So everything we do is for Jesus and it's for his glory. And so this is the first thing I want to say to you, not the first point, but the first thing I want to say is a question. It's this, what is your way? What is your truth and what is your life? You may say, well, that's self-explanatory. We're in a church. Not always. Because from what I've learned as being a Christian, though I haven't been a Christian, maybe as, as long as some of you, is, I've learned this, that some people want to follow Jesus, but they want to follow Jesus their way. Some people want to follow Jesus, and they want to follow Jesus by their truth. Some people want to follow Jesus, and they want to follow Jesus by the way they want to live their life. There isn't a true devotion. There isn't a true all-out giving of themselves. And you see, the American church and the American culture has very much tailored itself to that attitude where we have people today, Christians today, who couldn't even give up one night of the week to come and pray, who couldn't even give up maybe a, 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 a simple time to come on a Sunday morning because they need to sleep in. I asked one of my youth students last week, I said, I, I picked her up for church. This just bothers me. I picked her up for church. I said, what are your mom and dad doing? Oh, they're just laying in their beds. And I thought, Lord, this poor girl wants to come to church every chance the door's open, and she can't because her parents won't take her unless I go and get her. You see, God wants us to give all of ourselves. So the next question is this. What is the desire? What is the desire in our hearts? What's the desire in your heart? If you looked at yourself in the mirror, what would you see as your desire in your heart? And so tonight, I want us to all look at our hearts. I don't want anybody looking at anybody over here's heart or anybody over here looking at anybody over here because we do that, right? Preachers will start preaching about something and we'll look over at somebody because we're being too nosy and we know too much. And we, need, we really need to realize that we all need grace. And we all need to first look at ourselves before we ever cast judgment on a brother. Amen? So let's look at our hearts tonight. I'm going to look at my heart, and I want you to look at your heart. And we're going to look at it through the Scripture. That's what we're going to look at it. I want to start with this. The first, thir first point with this Scripture that we're you know, spe speaking out of, the main text, John 14, 6, the way. So the first thing I want to say is this. What is your way? What is your way? Is Jesus your way? Or do you try to make your own way with Jesus in it? Is Jesus kind of a part of your way? Is Jesus really the only way? Have you made that choice in your own heart? Definitely. Think about it in your own heart. Is he your only way? Are there other things that are Lord? You see, we got to look at these questions and we got to be serious about it. Because I think sometimes we take little things like this <laughs> or not little things. These aren't little things scripturally, but we take big scriptural things and we make them little things. Because why? Because we don't want to change 
who we are. We don't want to change our way. You ever said, oh, that person's just set in their ways. You ever heard that before? You ever heard that term? That's kind of like a, a, a thing that's used a lot of times. Well, we can't reach that guy at the gas station. He's too set in his ways, right? Or we can't speak to that person at our work because they're too set in their ways. Well, my question tonight is, what is your way? Is Jesus your way? Because what I know is this, that Jesus is the only way. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to God the Father. He's the only way to eternal life. He's the only way for us to have a true relationship with God, the creator of all things. But the thing is, is we have to choose him as our way. See, that's the thing. We have to choose him. We just can't assume he's our way. We just can't assume because we walk into the church and we sit down that, yeah, Jesus is my way because I'm at church on Wednesday night. No. Every day, every moment, every second when we wake up, we have to say, Jesus, you're going to be the way. That means we have to make some personal changes within our lives, within our hearts, really, you know, because change, it comes in the heart, right? That's what I've noticed. Change comes in the heart first because Jesus said it's not what goes in a man that defines it, but it's what comes out of a man, what comes out of his heart. So this is what Jesus had to say to a Jewish teacher. So let's turn to John chapter three. Let's go to John chapter three, and we're gonna start in verse one. And this Jewish teacher named Nicodemus comes to Jesus one night. He says, there was a man of the Pharisees, Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are the teacher. Come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again or be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus, which at the time, Nicodemus was one of the greatest teachers in all of Israel. We need to understand that. So the gentleman that's coming to him is someone that's very smart, that knows um, the law very well. He knows he's been taught in it and he understands it. But he is so determined to figure this out. He goes to Jesus at night. And what I love is, is if you really look at it, when Jesus comes to him and, and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are the teacher come from God for no one could do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus just immediately answers his question, just immediately. He already knows what he's going to ask. He's wanting to know how this is possible. How is Jesus doing these things? How is he able to do this? Clearly he's saying, well, if Jesus is doing this, he's, he's definitely come from God because no one else can do this unless they're from God. And so he wants to know how this is possible. How can one come to this? And so what does Jesus say? Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So how are we born again? You see, if we're going to follow the way, we have to be born again. This term is not used a lot nowadays. This is what I've noticed. We use the term saved a lot, which is correct. It's, there's nothing wrong with that term. But I noticed something. There's a difference when you use the term saved and when you use the term born again. 
Because born again is implying a complete change of who you once were. You know, I could be saved by, you know, saved from a car hitting me in traffic, but that may not change who I am, right? But being born again, that's like Nicodemus. He's trying to understand it. He's saying, Jesus, wait, 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 wait this is impossible. You mean to tell me I got to be born again, but I can't be born again. I'm already old. I can't go back into my mother's womb and then be born again. How's this possible? See, Jesus was speaking of a definite change. There had to be a definite change because no man can physically be born again, but spiritually, we can be born again. Spiritually, we can be born again. If you look, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. This is verse five and six. So Jesus tells him that the only way to the kingdom of God, the only way is to be born again. There's no other way. And so what I say to you tonight is this, we have to be born again. We have to make that choice in our lives to be born again. And I'm looking out through this room and I know a lot of you are here are, are Christians and you're strong believers and you're like, well, I've, amen, I've already been born again. But I could tell you this, if you don't realize that you're born again, you'll walk as you once did. You'll walk as you once did. If you don't daily submit to yourself to say, God, I've been born again in you. You've redeemed me, saved me, and freed me. Now I live for you. I'm living in your way. We'll forget. And we'll drift back into who we used to be. We'll go back into the person that God brought us out of. We are born again through the power of the Holy Spirit in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we look at John chapter three, verse 14 through 21. So we, let's just slide down in, in the scripture. It says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And we all know this shirt's on a million t-shirts. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. I want to stop there and we'll continue in 19. I, and when I was reading through these scriptures, I noticed something, you know, in, in our Christian culture today, we will blast John three sixteen, but we will forget about John three eighteen. We will forget to say, yes, if you believe in Jesus, you will be saved. If you give your life to him, and you follow him and you're born again, yes, you will be saved. You will experience everlasting life. But we forget that those who don't, something else happens. He says, verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and the men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Their deeds were evil. You see, men, they loved in their heart darkness. They loved sin. They loved to live for the world and for the pleasures of the flesh. And you see, that's what we deal with our culture today. People want Jesus but they don't want to be born again. They want to get saved. They want the eternal life, 
but they don't want to give up the fact that if they don't give up the evil wickedness in their hearts, if they don't truly repent, that there's going to be a condemnation that comes upon them. Verse 20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light. I love that. And you say, what? You love that? No, it's, it's cut and dry. It's clear. Jesus makes it clear. You see, we, we got all this all confusion today. It's so, I just don't get it. People are like, yeah, I love Jesus. And they're totally living in immorality. Jesus says, if you love me, you're not going to live that way because everyone practicing evil hates the light. And who is the light? Jesus Christ. It's cut clear. He speaks it out so clearly to Nicodemus, hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit draws the hearts of men, he convicts them. He convicts them of their sins. He exposes the wickedness and says, this is wrong. You need to repent. You need to get right. Verse 21, but he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So our spiritual rebirth comes through the power of the death, the burial, and the res resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the same power, you know, sometimes, I, I feel like sometimes we are afraid to say this in the church, and, and what I mean by this is the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that works in us and has saved us today. And we sometimes will, will read that scripture because it's in scripture and, and we'll be a little, we'll, we'll kind of back off of it because we don't want to sound too big headed, right? We don't be like, yeah, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is in me. Like, so, you know, like we don't, we feel like we're going to be that way sometimes if we say that, you know, like people will take it that way. But the reality is that's the truth. That is the truth because we could not be born again unless that same power was poured out to us. Why? Because that power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power, the same Holy Spirit that rose us up spiritually and allowed us to be rebirthed. That's how we're born again. That's the only way. So we need to be embracing the fact that Jesus is our only way, that we're born again in him. And not only that, that the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that rose him up from the grave is in us. And we need to speak this truth. There's no other way. Only through Jesus are we set free and we're saved from our sins. The way is being born again without our faith in Jesus and in the cross, we cannot be resurrected into new life through the Holy Spirit. The way is being born again. It's his cross. It's his death. It's his burial. It's his resurrection. If we don't follow him, if we don't submit ourselves to him, if we don't say, I no longer live, but Christ, it is Christ who lives in me. If we don't crucify our flesh every day, then how can we walk in this way? We can't. We can't. Because this is what it says. For everyone practicing evil hates the lie. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to practice the evil anymore. I used to. I used to be really good at it. Now I don't want to do it. And one of the things I always pray is this. I say, God, make me real. Make me a real man of God. Make me a real man of God. Not so I can gloat. Not so I can be arrogant. It has nothing to do with that. I want to be a real man of God. Why? Because I truly want to love him with all of my life. Because I want to meet the standard. I don't know about you, when I, but when I stare at Jesus, when I die, I want him to embrace me and say, you have done so well. You've done everything I asked you to do. Come here. That's what I want. I don't know about you. Remember, we're looking at our own hearts here. 
So we need to know first, what is our way? Is, our, is it our way or is it Jesus's way? Are we choosing to say, God, I'm born again and I'm living by your truth and your words and I'm following and obeying the Holy Spirit? Are we doing these things? Because if we're not, we cannot experience new life through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the way, the only way to God the Father. If we look at Hebrews chapter 10, and I'm gonna have to flip there, so hold on. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. I'm used to flipping a study Bible, so normally this takes me so long, and now I'm not using a study Bible. Now, now I can't think of where I am. Oh, back, I passed it. I went too far, now I'm in Colossians. Oh no, gotta go back. It's after 2 Timothy, or Philemon. There it is, okay. Now I gotta go to chapter 10, okay. Here we go. Chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. A new and living way. See, Jesus is the way. Literally, when he was saying that, that's what he meant. He was saying, disciples, I am the way. Thomas, I literally am the way. I have to go die because if I don't, then you will not have my blood and my flesh will not be as of the veil being broken. I have to go. I have to die. I have to be the way for you. So we need to understand that Jesus is our only way. He's our only way to enter the holiest. I love that. By the blood of Jesus. That's the only way in. You can't, you can't make a fake ID. You, you can't. There's no other way in. It's the truth. It's only through his blood. It's only through his death, through his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Amen. The second thing, the next point is this. So Jesus is our way the only way. We have to be born again. We have to choose to walk in him every day. The second thing is this. What is your or our truth? What is our truth? Today's culture, you have no idea. Truth today is so confusing. I feel so bad for the, the, the young kids today. And I'm not saying I don't, oh, they're hopeless. No, I'm saying like we need to move in this country and make an impact because these kids need to know what real truth is. They have no idea. Let's look at John 3.21. Back to this verse of the, that we had just read. But he who does the truth comes to the light. So what is our truth? Is Jesus our truth, really our truth? Sometimes people will say, yeah, Jesus, I love Jesus. Yeah, I believe in his gospel. But is he the truth of your life? Is he what you're gonna live by? When everybody stands in front of you and questions your faith, are you gonna say, yes, no, I believe in this? When they say, you believe in all that nonsense? I've had heard this so many times. You believe in all that nonsense? You believe in that whole thing like Jesus died for you? Yes, I do, it's the truth. You see, we have to be confident in the truth. If we say we know the truth, we have to live the truth. We have to be confident in the truth. But he who does the truth comes to the light. Interesting. See, those who are walking in the truth, who are they coming to consistently? Jesus. They're coming to Jesus. 
The people who are walking in the truth, the people who do and, and walk in it every single day, what do they consistently do? They come to Jesus. They come to Jesus. My next question is this. When I say what is your truth, where are you getting your truth? Do you get your truth from the guys on YouTube who preach? Do you get your truth just alone from when we meet here in this place? Do you get your truth from your next door neighbor who used to be a pastor? Do you get your truth from Yahoo News? Do you get your truth? Yeah. Do you get your truth from all of the worldly outlets? Where do you get your truth? Where do you get your truth? Because what I read is this. He who does the truth comes to the light. So if I'm not getting my truth from Jesus, then what I'm getting is not truth. Period. Yeah, but this guy, you know, he, he really loves Jesus and he wrote this really cool book. I don't care. That book may have great ways to motivate you and encourage you and give you advice on things in your life possibly, but first the truth is in God's word. First the truth is in Jesus and his word. So what is your truth? Where are you getting your truth? And if you have children, are they getting that same truth? Because what I'm noticing today is if you're not careful and if you don't tell your children the truth, the world will try to tell its, its truth to them. And if they're not careful and if they don't already know the truth, they'll get sucked right into it and they'll believe it. So Jesus is the truth and he is the light. If we look at John, 1 John chapter 1. I got to flip back, I'm sorry. Hopefully this won't go as long as the last time. 1 John chapter 1. Oh, nailed it. Okay. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. Interesting. What did verse 21 say? But he who does the truth comes to the light. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we're gonna walk in the truth, we have to be walking in the light. We have to be making a point to go to Jesus, to, do, to go to God as our truth, as our anchor of truth. Again, remember what I said at the beginning, we're looking at our own hearts. Maybe, maybe you haven't been doing that. It's okay. Get right with God tonight. Ask him to forgive you and start to do it. One of the most crazy things happened this week. I had somebody text me out of the blue and in the text from, from, from past ministry, in the text, I won't go into the whole thing, but they, they just said this. They said, I wasted so much time. I say this to you, don't waste any time. If you need to be applying the truth to your life, start applying the truth to your life. Because I can tell you this, if Jesus came back tonight, would we be ready? Would we be ready? Would Jesus say, you've been living and walking in my truth. You've been coming to me. I am the light. You have been coming to me. So the truth must be a part of our lives. We must walk in Christ and the truth of his word if we are going to have true fellowship with God. That's what 1 John says. That's what the word of God says. That if we are going to have true fellowship with God, we have to truly be walking in his truth, his word, and we have to truly be walking in his light, in him. We have to be doing these things. Because if we don't, if we don't, what are we walking in? 
I can tell you this. I know from my own personal experience, if I'm not walking in Jesus and if I'm not walking in the truth, then I know I'm walking in my flesh because I have nothing else to walk in. I revert back. That's how you revert back. Once you pull your, you draw yourself away from the truth, you immediately, you're, you, as in human nature, you, you go to something. We all do something. And in those moments, a lot of times, that's when we face the biggest battles because we turn our back, not on the truth, but we turn our back to the truth and we start to, to, to drift from it. We don't start making it the, the, the one thing in our life. We don't keep coming to Jesus and making him the most important thing and we start to drift if we're not careful. So there has to be a change in our hearts to God. What is in our hearts? Is there truth or what we think is truth? Next thing. We cannot allow ourselves to believe what we think is truth. This tears up churches. This tears up. This is why we have so many denominations. I was thinking about it the other day. Why, why is it that we have so many denominations for this, for this Bible? It's all truth. Don't we all believe the same thing? Well, my truth's better than your truth. No, it's all truth. We're all in unity and one accord to the word of God. So if the word of God says you can't do this and you can do that, that's how it is. That's it. That's how it is. We don't need to be compromising our faith because we don't want to change who we are and we don't want to conform to the true truth of God's word. We have to be walking completely in this because we're called to walk in righteousness and we're called to walk in holiness. That's what we're called to walk in. Righteousness and holiness. If we look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, of course, we know that Paul was writing to Timothy when he wrote this, so we get a little context of it because of how he speaks in this letter. But he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing. Of course, he was writing to Timothy, but when I read this, I, I, I know he says, but you, O man, so ladies, I, you know, apply it to yourself, but you, O woman, I'm, I'm just saying. What I mean by this is this, God is calling us to live according to his will and according to his word and righteousness and holiness and godliness and in faith and in love and in truth. And if we don't do that, then we fail to be walking in what God calls us to walk in. You may say, well, I can't live up to that. No, none of us can. That's why God sent who? The helper, the Holy Spirit to do what? To lead us and guide us and strengthen us and give us what we need every day so that we can, so that we can live lives pleasing to God. Third thing is this. She's gonna pull it up. I can see it over here. Third point is this. She's like, it's not working. What is our life? What is our life? What is your life? Jesus is our giver of eternal life. All of our spiritual life comes from him, comes from his Holy Spirit, comes from God the Father. All of that comes from him. What is your life? If we look at John, if we go back to John, 
chapter 3, verse 31. I want to I start in verse 31. And in this, these, these portions of scripture, it's John the Baptist and he's exalting Jesus. There's a dispute. His disciples come together and, this, and the Jewish people come together and they're like arguing. They see Jesus and his disciples off in the distance baptizing and preaching the kingdom of God. And they say, wait a second, John, like who's better? They start doing this whole like who's better? Is it you or is it that guy you baptized the other day? You know, and then John goes on to declare this. And I'm just going to start in verse 31. There's more to it, but I want to start in verse 31. He says, he who comes from above is above all. And he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all, and what he has seen and heard that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He's speaking of Jesus, and he's speaking of himself and Jesus in the sense that he's come from above and he's from the earth. So he says, he who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the spirit by measure. The father loves the son, and has given all things into his hand. Verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So those who believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, who have put their faith, their hope, and their love in him, and believe that he is the Savior of the world, that believe that he is the Christ, the Messiah, that he died on the cross for them, those people are going to inherit what? Everlasting life. And then he goes on to say, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. Interesting. They shall not see life, but what? but the wrath of God abides on him. We need to understand that Jesus is our source of life. Not just now, but eternally. And we need to every day be making him our source of life. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Every day we must be persistently putting our hearts in his word, in prayer and relationship to him, loving him with all of our lives, following and obeying him. Because why? If we don't do that, we won't see life. If I don't love God with all of my life and I don't live for him, what am I living for? At that point, I know I'm living for myself. I'm living for the world. I'm living for sin. And I know that if I do that, I'm not going to see any life, but all I will see is the wrath of God. We're, we're afraid to say that in churches today, the wrath of God. The wrath of God's real, and it's, gonna, it's, it's going to abide on everyone who doesn't believe. That's really harsh to say, Pastor Reese. No, that's the truth. That's the truth. If I'm going to live the truth, i got to speak the truth. I can't, I can't give you a, a message that isn't true. That's the truth. And so, again, what's in our hearts? Are we really in it? Are we in this thing for the long haul? Are we going to really live for Jesus? You know, I don't think... Things are going to get any easier right now in the American church. And I think just like Brother Ryan was saying over the weekend, that there's going to come a time, if we're not careful, that persecution is going to come to the American church. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to weed out who's really living for the way, for the truth, and for the life. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of the group that is weeded out. I want to live for it. 
I want to follow and I want to obey God. I had more to say, but we're going to stop here because I really want us at these last few moments, if, if we could have someone just come and play just, just for a brief moment, I want to take this time in this moment and I want us to pray together as a body. You know, I've noticed something over the past few services that we've had here on Wednesday and on Sunday, we've been praying together as a body and it's been doing something spiritually. It's been uniting us together more and more. And one of the things that Pastor Ryan said over the weekend, he said he was just blown away on how receptive the hearts, our hearts were. Because he goes to a lot of churches and speaks. And he was blown away because it wasn't the fact that everyone in this place was, you know, like off in the pit and they weren't doing the right thing. It was the fact that we were all so willing and we wanted God to move so much in our lives. You see, that's the key. What's in your heart? Are you wanting God to move in your life? I was listening to a pastor, another pastor who has spoken at this church before. I was listening to a sermon that he preached in his church up north. And he said something that just, it just, it just stirred my heart so much because I've had this thought before because of the way the flesh is. He said, we had an evangelist come and speak a few weeks ago. And when he gave the altar call, I was the first one at the front. Wait a second, he's the pastor. You see, in our natural carnal minds, we'd say, something's wrong. He ran to the altar first. That guy was talking about sin. Something's wrong. But in my mind, I think this, something's right. Because even though he said this, he said, even though I'm credentialed, even though I'm a minister, even though I've lived for God, I wanna make sure that I live for God even more. I wanna make sure that my life is so given to him that I know without a doubt that I'm living in his will. And I wanna say that to you tonight. Is that what you want? Do you want that? Do you want Jesus to be your way, your truth, your life, your everything? If you do, the end will be, we will be with him and the Father. But if you don't, then you need to make a choice tonight on what you're gonna do. Because like I said before, we can only make the choice ourselves. God's ready to move. So I want us to do this. If we could all just stand here in this place. And I was gonna have everyone come down to the front, but for time's sake, I wanna be cognizant of that. I know we have kids out there, you know, and I know tomorrow's a school night. But if we could just open our hearts to God right now, can we do that? Can we open our hearts to Jesus? Jesus, we want you to be the way, the truth, and the life for us. Jesus, we want our lives to be so grounded in you. And God, forgive us when we fail to do this. Forgive us when we let the things of the earth and the things of the world and the things of our sinful carnal nature come in and take away what you're trying to do. Forgive us, Lord. Don't let that, don't let that have any power over us anymore. If that's you tonight, ask God to take that off of your life right now in the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, I've been letting myself uh, turn over to other things besides you. I've been giving my time up to other things instead of you. Forgive me. God, forgive us when we fail to do this, when we fail to, to draw near to you with all of our hearts, God. Because Lord, you didn't just call us to give part of ourselves. You called us to give all of ourselves. And Jesus, you just didn't give part of yourself on the cross. You gave all of yourself on the cross. 
And we wanna do the same for you because of what you've done for us. You did the most impossible thing for us. You made it possible for us to know you and to know the Father and to have you as our way and as our truth and as our life. So God, let our lives be found in you. Let our hearts be given to you. Let everything we do be for your glory, God. If you've been letting other things come in and take away the truth of God's word from your heart and from your mind, I want you right now to pray and I want you to ask him to to make his word the only truth in your life. So Lord, we ask that you make your word, your word of truth, the only truth in our lives, God. Lord, when we allow ourselves to believe false things, when we allow our hearts to be tempted by the lies of the enemy, God, I pray that our hearts would be grounded in the truth. That when the enemy comes and when he lies to us, and that when the world comes and when it lies to us, our hearts would be so grounded in the truth it doesn't even phase us, Lord. We immediately begin to think upon the scriptures. We immediately begin to speak them out to you. And we say, you are our truth. Jesus, you are our truth, we love you. We love you, Lord. Last thing is this, if Jesus hasn't been all of your life and you want him to tonight, and listen, I know we're all Christians here, I believe, and if you're not, you come down and get saved tonight in the name of Jesus. But I say this to you, make him your life. You will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed because he is the giver of life. When you make Jesus your everything, The most amazing thing happens. He gives you new life. He gives you this joy and this freedom and this peace and this love that you couldn't have before him. Why? Because the world and and sin and our carnal nature, it can't give life, it only gives death. So Lord, tonight we want our lives to be hidden in you. We want you to be our life. We give it all up, Jesus. We give it all up for you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the love that you showed us. The love that you showed us through your son and his life. Now, God, we wanna show you our love through our lives being given to you, Father. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. One more thing before we're dismissed. I was praying today and I said, Lord, why did you, why did you do all this? Why? I just, I seriously, and you may think, well, you already know, but I asked him anyway, I said, Lord, why? Why did you do everything that you did? And the verse that came to my heart immediately was, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? Because he loves us. He loves you. He's done everything. He's made the way for you. He's given you the truth. He wants you to have life, not just now, but eternally. He's done it all. Why? Because he loves you. Do we love him? Let's love him with our lives, amen. Father, as we leave from this place, we ask that your grace would be upon us, that your love would be upon us, that your protection would be upon us, that Lord, we would truly be real Christians. We would set a real example to this world. We'd show them what it really looks like to serve you and to love you and to follow you and to make you everything. God, we thank you that you have mercy for us every day and that you give us the power through the Holy Spirit to continue on. Lord, just help grow this church. Let this church grow in spirit and in truth, God. And let the true worshipers of God be in this place. 
let the true worshipers of God come from this place, God, and make an impact on the world, Father. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.